0: I want to thank each one of you for being here this morning and entering into the singing service. You know, it's a very important part of our service to sing praise to God and glorify Him in song as we have this morning. I believe we've done that. I want to talk a little bit this morning about having children and raising children. So you that have already raised children or... Not gonna have any children or whatever are not excluded this morning. I hope you'll take the things that we bring and use them in your life and also use them in your grandchildren or those you come in contact with. You know, the world we're living in today is trying to teach us all sort of things about things that are okay with God. And one of those things is about the sacred part that God instituted and that is marriage between a man and a woman the world says a man and a man is okay a woman and a woman is okay and wants us to believe those things and even worse than that to me is the fact that they want our children at a very early age to decide whether they want to be a boy or a girl So we're going to start back in Genesis and talk about those things, about what God instituted and what He wanted His people to be and what He expected from us. And I believe every scripture we read this morning will be valuable to you if you're raising children or if you're going to raise children someday. We we were very blessed with a great number of young parents that are concerned about Raising their children according to God's word, and we want to thank you for that. And we want to give you some things to think about as you do that today. We realize in Genesis the second chapter that God created man from the dust, dust of the earth, and then He looked down and He saw that man was alone, and He said, "I'm going to make him a helpmate." We read this in Genesis 2, verse 21 through 24, and the Lord God. Caused the deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman. And he brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man. He said, For this cause or therefore shall a man leave father and mother. And shall cleave unto his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. We read and notice what the creation was that, that God created man and he created woman. And he said because of this reason, for this reason was that man was to leave home, to leave father and mother and cleave to his wife. Let's read in Genesis 1 verse 27 through 28. So God created man in his own image. In the, in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth, moveth upon the earth. So he said that, here again that he created male and female. It's very important that as we talk about teaching our children about these things and about God's will, that there is importance between man and woman, a man, a male, and a female. And he, he tells us over and over throughout the scripture that how important it is that this is the plan that God had set forth, and not a man with a man or a woman with a woman. God's plan for marriage has never changed. Man has changed it like he has many other things in in this life. Man will change things so it suits him or that it's it's something that they would like to do. And and then others pick up on that and follow that if they're not studying and and knowing God's will. Man tries to change it. He, He goes over and over, and we'll say it over and over this morning, that man tries to change the plan. The plan is this. For a man to find a woman, marry her, and to have children. For this marriage to be successful, it has to be founded upon the Word of God. Not something that the world teaches us, not something the world says is okay, but what the Word of God says. And every marriage in this building and every marriage in the world can be successful if it's, if it's founded upon the Word of God. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, we find here that The writer is comparing husband and wife to Christ in the church. And I'm not going to read all of these verses here from from Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. I want to read verse 21 to begin with. Verse 21 says, Submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. So as we think about God's plan, a man and a woman... A man cleaves to his wife, and and the the Scripture tells us here that we're to submit one to the other in the fear of God. I don't have to place how important this is to each and every one of us today. And this is what makes marriages last for a long, long time, is because that we give to one another and it's been said recently about marriage in, in this pulpit that it's not a 50-50 proposition all the time. And sometimes one has to give more than the other. But if we follow this in the fear of the Lord, if we're thinking about the Lord's ways when we do this, then we're pleasing in the sight of God. I want to mention some more things that he he, he made that comparison with before we move on. He says, Wives, submit yourself to... to your husbands as unto the Lord. Again, think of the importance if it's as to God, how important is it? Wives, how important is it to you to submit to your husband? The husband is head of the house or head of the wife just as Christ is head of the church. Wives are to be subject to their husbands and the scripture says in everything. But the husbands are not left out either. He said, Husbands, love your wife even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Husbands, how much do you love your wife? We're talking about those that have just married, those that are just having children, and those old ones like me. How much do you love your wife? Are you willing to give yourself for it as Christ did the church? He said, Love yourself, love your wife as yourself. And he said, he that does that loves his wife. And then he went ahead and repeated what we've already read. He said, for this cause man leave, shall leave his father and mother, and he's joined to his wife, and they become one. Let's read verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and see that the wife reverts her husband. Reverence is a deep respect for someone or something. She said, reverence your husband. I want to take this to us as husbands and every husband here today. Do you live a life for Christ according to God's will towards your wife as God would have you do? If we don't, I question how that the wife can reverence her husband. How can she have the respect that she should have for her husband? When these commands are followed, the wife supports her husband, and a dual respect follows between them, even as Christ and the church, as we just noticed. When this happens, then they are ready to have children and raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. God's plan is made evident when a husband takes his responsibility seriously and lives a life for Christ. And this extends on to his wife and to his family. Ephesians 6 verse number 4 and you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, bring your children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That's why I say every verse we read this morning is important to you if you're raising children, because they need to know these things. Because the world is going to try to teach them that the things of the world is okay. And that God doesn't care if you go outside of His will. Let's turn to Matthew, the 19th chapter, and we want to read verse 3 through 9. Matthew 19, verse 3 through 9. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, speaking about Jesus, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? There it is again the male and the female. And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command the writing of divorcement to put her away? Notice what Jesus said. He says unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, and I say before, it hasn't changed, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say unto you, whosoever shall put away his wife, except it be for fornication, and shall marry another, committeth adultery. And whosoever marrieth her which is put away, doth commit adultery. Now, I don't want to touch on the things of divorce this morning. That's not my point. For reading this, for reading this is because that Jesus said, "Have you not read that God created male and female in the beginning?" And He said this divorce thing was not so from the beginning, and He gives the reason why. So we need to uh, take these to use this morning, and and the divorce thing is another a lesson altogether. if we had time at another time. In Proverbs 18, chapter, verse number 22, Scripture said, Whoso findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth attain, favor of the Lord. Why is it that when we find a wife, it's a good thing? Go back to where we've been already. It's the plan of God. And God is happy with it when we follow His plan. And besides all that, He said, if we find a wife, it's a good thing. And God will bless us because of that. Proverbs 31, verse number 30. Favor is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman that feareth the Lord shall be praised. When a man, young man, older man, when a man goes out to seek a wife, he, he said, Be careful. This is what you look for in your mate the one that will have your children, the one that will help you raise your children and teach them God's ways. It's important that we see what's on the inside. You know, my mother said beauty was only skin deep. I guess that's an old saying from some of us that are older. Beautiful woman is good to look at and good to see and might make you a good wife. But when you seek that wife, go out and look for what she believes in if she's able to do those things that you as a Christian are bound to do. Proverbs 31, verse 10 through 12. Who can find a virtuous woman for her price is far above rubies, the heart of her husband doth, doth safely trust in her so that he has no need of spoil, she will do him good and not evil all the days of her life who can find a virtuous woman a woman of god one that seeks the will of god one that fears god as we just noticed i think back to when we talk about our soul and when the question is that what would a man give in exchange for his soul We can't put a dollars and cent sign on your soul. We don't know that value. We do know it. It's beyond value. And I believe the very same thing that he's talking about here is that a virtuous woman is above value. We can't put a price upon it because it's too valuable. And this is the woman that all of us or all of you that have not buried need to see 1 Timothy 5, verse 14. Paul told Timothy, I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully." And I believe to not give occasion to the adversary would be to, part of that would be to be faithful to your marriage. Marry, bear children, and guide the house. This is what the woman, the wife, is to do. In Genesis, the fourth chapter, in keeping with, with God's plan from the beginning, we find that Eve had two sons, Cain and Abel. So when we live as we should when we get married, and we work on that to the point that we're able to have children at that time, then we're able to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And that's what God expects from us. It's a good thing, folks, to have kids. It. it really is. It's a blessing. It's something that God has given us. And it is a blessing to both father and mother. David puts it this way in Psalms 127, verse 3-5. through Low children are a heritage are a blessing of the Lord. And the fruit of the womb is a re- His reward. As arrows are in the hand of the mighty man, so are children of the youth. Again, we look for words in in these scriptures that we've read and we've already noticed how important some of them was to to fear God as as we are subject unto our husbands or our wives. And then here he says that as arrows, he's he's comparing children to arrows in a mighty man's Quiver, what he's doing here. So, how important is David making having children to us today? He said, Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall be not ashamed, but they shall speak of, of with their enemies in the gate. Happy is the man that has more than one child. Happy is the man that has one child. It's important. We go back to the beginning when he said, Replenish the earth to go forth and reprimish. We're not told how many children to have. Therefore, we're blessed, I believe, because of that. However, in, in the qualifications of the elders, the elders are to rule their house well and have their children in subjection, which would lead me to believe that an elder needs to have more than one child. Titus says the elders should have faithful children, not unruly. So it is good that we have children. It's good that the group of young people that I spoke about in the beginning are having children here today and that your desire is to raise them in God's way. After a man finds a woman to be his wife, we've already read where he leaves father and mother and he cleaves to his wife. Husbands and wives become one. I believe this is in all things, as in raising children, as we are talking a little bit about later. But at this time, when this union is what it should be, is the time to have children. Parents' responsibility to their family is great. And there's physical things, there's spiritual things, and we want you to think of the spiritual things as you think about getting married, as you think about having children. I read an article a lady wrote here a while back and it said about teaching kids, don't educate your children to be rich. Educate them to be happy so that when they grow up, they will know the value of things and not the price. Young parents, think about it. The world says if you don't have education, You can't make a living and you can't make a go of it. This lady in her wisdom said to educate them to be happy and when they grow up, they'll know the value of things, not the price. And above all this, if we teach them in that way, they'll know the value of being a Christian and living the Christian life as God would have them do. They'll know the value of having and raising children themselves and they'll know just how valuable their soul and their children's souls are. We teach them by the way we act and live, and especially by God's Word. I've heard all my life that it's almost impossible to become a parent because we don't have any instruction, we don't have any experience. All of a sudden, we have a baby in the home. I want to tell you today that I believe that if our parents did their job, then we'll be prepared to be parents. Are you going to know it all? You're not going to know it all. But you'll be able to take the things that you've been taught and teach your children, and they'll be able to teach their children also, as we'll notice in a moment. There's always going to be something in raising kids that comes up that you're not aware of, that you're going to have to go to God's Word and seek what to do about those situations. In, in 2 Timothy 2, verse number 2, and I realize here Paul is talking to Timothy the evangelist about teaching men so they can teach other folks. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. I believe the same principle applies to your children or our children. Teach them so that they can teach their children so that their children can teach their children. I believe this is the plan of God as we'll notice a scripture pertaining to that a little while later. Think about it in this way when you think about not having all the things that you need to bring up children. But don't think of it in a way that you're you're not prepared because your parents should be preparing you today for when that time comes. I think about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and I think about us as being Christians. Before you become a Christian, what did you know about being a Christian? How would we know how to live the Christian life today if it weren't for Christ, his teaching while he was here upon the earth and his death on the cross and the word that he left? Jesus tells us in Mark 8, verse number 34, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. I believe that in the same sense, that your children will be able to raise their children because of what you've taught them, because of what you've done, the life that you've lived before them. Proverbs 29, verse number 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. The rod bringeth forth wisdom. If we're just let to Rome and do whatever we want to or let our kids do that, then they'll never have the wisdom and the knowledge of God's Word that they need in order to obey Him. Proverbs 1 verse 8 says, My son, hear the instruction of thy father and forsake, forsake not the law of thy mother. And I want to tell the mothers, it's your job to teach as well. We know that the father has the responsibility. And we know that as one that you can teach the word and, and we'll read about Timothy in a minute. We're familiar with that. But you can teach. And not only that, grandparents need to continue teaching as well. In Titus 2, verse 3 through 5, the age women likewise that they be in, in, in behavior as becometh holiness, or live an example. Not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to, to be sober, to love their husband, to love their children, to be discreet, sage keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. And that the word of God be not blasphemed. The aged women, and I believe this could include parents as well, the children need to be taught so that they will not so the words will will not be blasphemed. Teach them to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, keepers at home, obedient to their own husbands. In Ecclesiastes 16, verse 44 through 45, Behold, everyone that uses, uses Proverbs shall use this proverb against thee, saying, Is the mother so? Is her daughter. Thou art the, thou art the mother's daughter. How do we know that? That loatheth her husband and her children, and they art the sister of thy sister, which loatheth her husband and her children. If you don't get anything out of the lesson this morning, young people and young parents, example, example, example. He said here that you dislike your mother, you dislike your sister, you're not doing your husband right. To loathe is to dislike greatly. And this proverb becomes real because we see it from day to day. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5 And this is speaking about Timothy as we said we'd read in a a few minutes. When I call to remember the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also... It's important that mothers and grandmothers, and I want to add to it that grandfathers and fathers, be instrumental in teaching the Word of God to your kids. And he said, "These, this mother and grandmother taught Timothy, and that's where his faith came from. It was evident because he had that. Now, I had a cousin one time that his son told me that, which which would have been his great-grandmother, my grandmother, if she hadn't uh, taught him the Bible, he wouldn't have never obeyed the gospel. Think about it, grandparents. You're not there 24-7 like mom and dad are, but you are instrumental in how you live in front of them and how you teach them from, from time to time. First Thessalonians 2, verse number 11. Listen to what Paul said. He says, as you know, we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you. Stop there and think about it. He said, we exhorted, we comforted, and charged every one of you. Now, what's interesting to me is where he got that thought and how he was teaching Christians in that way. The end of of, of that verse said, as a father does his children. Also, just like you teach your children, that's what I'm using to teach Christians. Exhort to teach, comfort, reassurance, and charge, discipline. That's what you fathers and what fathers need to do with their children in teaching them from day to day. We need to realize how important it is. To do these things, even as Paul used that example. Proverbs 4 verse 1 through 4. Hear ye children the instruction of a father, and attend to not to know understanding. For I will give you good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law, for I was my father's son, tender and only beloved in the sight of my mother. You remember a moment ago we read about how the daughter was just like the mother. He says here that I was my father's son. Again, I want to emphasize the fact of how you live before your children, the example you set. Because your sons are going to be just like you in that aspect. Your daughters are going to be like your mother. But the, he said, My father did something else, it wasn't just an example. He said, He taught me also and said unto me, Let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments and live. This is what I want us all to remember and do this morning. Live it and teach it to our children. It's very important. Psalm 78 verse 1 through 7. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter darkness, dark sayings of old. Listen, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. That's what David is about to tell the people. We will not hide them from their children. Showing to the generations to come the praises of the, of the Lord and His strength and His wonderful works that he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel which commanded our fathers that they should should make them known to their children. What have we been saying all morning? Make these things known to your children. Teach your children. Teach your children the ways of God. Teach your children that he's the creator and giver of life in all things. He said that they should make them known to their children that generations to come might know them even the children which shall be born who shall arise and declare them to their children that they might set their hope in god and not forget the works of god but keep his commandments i said before when we referred to paul talking to timothy about teaching these things to men that to teach other people here we're told to teach generation so that they can be able to teach the next generation. I meant to mention when I said that that our parents, the way they taught us or the way we teach our children is the way that, that we get the basics of what we need to teach, teach them. So we see that as we do that, as we grow, and as we learn more about God's Word, we teach our children more about those things as we have time and we have opportunity. Deuteronomy 11, verse 18 through 19. Therefore shall lay up these my words in your heart and in your soul, and bind them for a sign upon your hand that they may be frontlets between your eyes. And you shall teach them thy children, speaking of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest in by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. I said a moment ago that grandparents are not with the children 24-7. But the writer here says that we need to teach our children, or you that our parents need to teach your children when you're sitting down, when you're rising up, when you're by the way 24-7. And sometimes it might not be open in the Bible to read or to teach them from the Bible. It's how you're living it yourself. Well, raising children includes discipline. The meaning of discipline is training to act in accordance with rules. And yes, this includes punishment. Let's turn to Hebrews the twelfth chapter and read verse number four through Number 11. You have not yet resisted under blood, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you as unto children. He said, I'm talking to you just like children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. Take that chastisement and learn from it is what he's trying to tell us. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If you endure a chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. Notice closely. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? Verse number eight. But if you be without chastisement, he's talking about Christians here like a father to a son. But if you be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then you are bastards and not sons. The lesson of the morning is so that you won't lose one child to Satan. But he said if we don't take it, if we don't take that chastisement, then we're no more sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh who corrected us and, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more brother, be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, but he for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. You see, just as you as a father are correcting your children, that's what God does to us so that we won't make the same mistakes again so that we will live in the way that he has directed already. Now no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruits of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. He tells us the value of us as Christians being chastised. And it's going to happen. He said it happens to us all. Proverbs 29, verse 15, The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother's shame. The rod he's talking about here is not what goes to our mind whenever we think about a rod. We may think about a field pump or something of that nature. But he's talking about a twig, a stick. Again, mother called it a switch. You get the switch off the tree. And it didn't take very many times to not use that bad word again or to do that thing. A child left to himself bringeth his mother shame. Proverbs 23, verse 13 through 16. Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod and shall deliver his soul from hell. Without discipline, folks, it's almost impossible to teach children or anyone else to follow the rule. And it makes it very difficult for your children to want to obey God. Deliver his soul from hell. My son, if thy heart be wise, my heart shall rejoice, even mine. Yea, my reign shall rejoice when when thy lips speaketh right things. Some of you have been there and some of you have not. There's not much a greater blessing than to see your children doing the things that's right. According to God's will, that you had a hand in teaching them. It's a great blessing. Something we all need to look forward to. And I hope and pray every one of you get to witness this in your lifetime. I want to close with Colossians 3, verse 21. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. There's a way to discipline your children. There's a way that will not discourage them. There's a way that will cause them to know that you're doing it for their good and not just to be angry with them. Bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. If you're here this morning and have never obeyed the gospel, if you've been previously taught and would like to be buried with him in baptism this morning, we would like to help you with that. If there's a person here this morning that needs the prayers of the church, we'd be happy to pray with and for you If one of either class should be here or both, come and sit on the front pew as together we sing the song of invitation.